Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio. Today on episode 23, David Morrison and I dive into the stages in and around faith. Uh, They really can be uh, put to human development in general, but uh, obviously we focus on the context of Christianity and we use the, we focus on the paradigm that uh, Brian McLaren sets out. It's a four stage uh, process around simplicity, complexity, perplexity, and harmony. A couple corrections we do need to make. Uh, one is uh, we, we discuss spiral dynamics uh, throughout the episode and the appropriate person we would like to credit is Claire Graves and the work he did around that. Uh, We got the name wrong on that one. And we also talk about a book called Stages of Faith, and the author's name is James Fowler. So Mr. Graves or Mr. Fowler, if you come across this podcast, we apologize. Um, But here we are showing our humbleness. uh, And thank you, Diego, at Recording Moving Studios. Once again, he's the editor and sound designer of this uh, podcast, Jacob Nedia. We appreciate you using those drums and letting us use those drums in the background. Uh, he's from Monk Drums. You can check out his uh, wares at monkdrums.com, M-O-N-K drums. Uh, if you're interested in reading more of uh, David's thoughts and musings and things that we cover, you can check out theruined.com. There's also more information there about Desert Rain community in general. And if you like this podcast and would like to hear more of the previous episodes, check out drcrpod.com or any other place you uh, listen to podcasts. And if you do enjoy it, please tell a friend. Uh, Word of mouth is really uh, helpful for us little guys. Uh, We appreciate you and let's get into it. Hello, <laughs> welcome well, back. Hello <laughs> to Desert Rain Community Radio. I believe this will be episode twenty-three. Nice. We're gonna build off uh, some things we talked about last week around uh, construction of faith, deconstruction of faith, and uh, ideally reconstruction of faith. Um, we, we talked about it in a pretty broad and general way last week, and uh, we're going we're gonna to focus in on yeah. faith this week, right? That sounds good. Okay. And um, so let's, let's start there. Let's sort of establish, we threw around those words. So last week, just to recap real quick, we talked about those that have uh, kind of been uh, disillusioned or, or sort of maybe had a falling out with the yeah. church. And... Um, Sort of have you you've become the de facto guy to to talk to about that in this region for whatever reason. Yeah. And uh, so today we want to focus in and and sort of look at the the faith side of that and and maybe you can lead us off with some just just sort of the general idea around around that. Yeah, I was thinking about it a little bit, and um, I think a lot of times we confuse. So we should probably set this up the beginning, mm-hmm. that there's a difference between faith and beliefs. Okay. Yeah, let's roll with Just that. Just because you believe something doesn't mean it's not actually faith. It's not the gift of faith. A belief, in, in my definition here, 
uh, is a mental creed or an assent to something. I believe I will do this or I believe this happened. So maybe like an intellectual exercise almost. Yeah, more yeah, more so. Whereas faith is an openness. I think I think the philosopher of stoners, Alan Watts, uh I can't quote him directly, but in a paraphrase, uh-huh. uh, he asserts, and I, and I agree, that belief and faith are actually almost opposites. Mm. So belief is setting up some sort of an absolute, okay, and 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 you're anchoring yourself to that absolute or that certitude, almost like a like a either or, black or white. Yeah, yeah, it leads to that yeah. for sure. Certitude. We t- that's what we talked about yeah. last week. Okay. So so a belief is connected to certitude. Okay. Whereas faith is an openness to what might happen, mm. uh, not knowing the the outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, we all want good outcomes for our circumstances, yeah. and, and so that's why we cling to beliefs. Whereas faith will actually invite you to let go. Of the outcomes. Of outcomes, that's yeah. right, yeah. And so, you know, and, and, and the cornerstone of Christianity is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? And Absolutely. I mean, that's the centerpiece. Uh, but we can't, that's, it's not an, the gospels don't really give an invitation to believe that as a creed, even though we've, do, we've done that mm-hmm. in the churches, but that doesn't change your life. It doesn't transform anything. Um, it seems like a good starting point, perhaps. Well, I, I think we have, the starting point is the gospels themselves. Well, they, I, they weren't I'm, sure I'm, what happened to them. I, I'm talking like even even before that, even before you step into like this idea of religion. Oh, okay. Like yeah. just sort of setting a foundation for your life. Yeah. You need some yeah. kind of belief structure. Yeah, for to, sure. To orientate yourself yeah. with the world around you. Yeah, most people, you know, most people enter into a moral framework of mind through those those avenues are not exclusive, right. like like many of them claim, but yeah, they're a good working model. Then, it's not what Jesus was set out to right. Do so then, let's step back into that where you were going with the the gospel. Yeah. So so the the resurrection accounts they're not based on certitude. They didn't know mm. his intimate friends uh, couldn't recognize him physically. Yet he was in a physical form. And even before they saw him, they didn't know. The resurrection was coming. No, no, they were scared yeah. and hiding. And, exactly, yeah. and and in Luke's gospel it says there he opened their minds mm. so that they could understand the scripture. So there's something. So faith is a deeper transformation rather than just uh, I believe A B C D and therefore that sort of solidifies my membership with this group. You know that that's what beliefs do. They they help you form a tribal identity. Right. But that's what's destroying our world now. It might have helped us as as early, in you know early pre civilization. Well, and we needed that early on. And when I, you know, when we're talking to early, we mean thousands, pre civilization, yeah, thousands yeah. of years ago when we were hunters and gatherers. Yeah, we needed that. We had to have a group, and Absolutely. we had to stay within that group because it was literally a life or death thing. Yeah, if you became a pariah in the group and shunned out of it, yeah, you that was basic, basically a death sentence, right? trying to survive on your own in the in the big bad wilderness. Exactly. Yeah. And so our brains have never, you know, we still carry those things over. Well, for evolutionary sake, exactly. it's not that long ago yeah. where we needed that. And so we want to belong. Mm-hmm. So that's not so so I'm not talking about beliefs in that sense. 
And so when people go into a deconstruction of their faith, it's, it's, it's really a deconstruction of those beliefs. Mm. And, and maybe it's a confusion with belief and doubt. And, and I'm what, sorry, uh, uh, faith, faith and beliefs, rather, is what I meant to say. Rewind that part again. Say that again. It, perhaps it's a, it's a misappropriation of faith versus beliefs. Okay. Um, whereas your faith is, 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 is an openness to what's next in your life. That, that's the essence of faith. So your hypothesis is that an early, uh, maybe, maybe we can call it um, adolescent spirituality, people talk about faith, but they mean they're t- actually talking about their beliefs. Exactly. Whereas yeah. when you step into a more mature, you really there's a an ability to learn that those two things are are different. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm not saying there isn't a crisis of faith in, for people. There definitely is. Your 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 loved one gets sick, and you prayed, and you believed, mm-hmm. and you hoped, and you cried, and they died. And and there's a crisis now. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a very real thing for people. And, and so what, what do you think, uh, as we're sort of setting the stage for all this, what are some of the things that could cause a deconstruction oh, of yeah. faith? Yeah, I think for people that have grown up in a religious environment, uh-huh. in a church, any kind of organized religion, so you're, you're told at a very young age uh, a set of creeds and beliefs. In my case, it was the, the catechism mm-hmm. on Saturday mornings. Missing the cartoons, and right. uh, there's no bitterness there. Uh, you learn, you learn the prayers, you learn the the scriptures, you learn the stories, and and moral positions of of your group, the church, whatever, and and you feel safe, you feel secure, you have authority figures thinking for you, telling you what to think. It's a very safe and secure kind of place to be. And then, you know, adolescence often hits and none of that becomes, or very little of it becomes relevant, Mm -hmm. which is why so many young people just simply leave. I I remember being in catechism class in Catholic school and students just pelting the the religion teacher with questions, Mm -hmm. particularly around sexuality and the church's moral standing teaching on sexuality right? and there, and this poor guy was not ready for those questions. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there in the back, like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so, so, so a lot of times just simply growing up will cause people to say, well, I don't believe that anymore. And they don't see an alternative. Mm-hmm. So they it's, just simply leave. Well, it goes back to that belief of either or. Exactly. Yeah. It's an easier position rather than taking the journey further and, and, and allowing it to be unraveled, those, those belief systems. Or you double down on them. Mm. Uh, and it has nothing to do with, it has very little to do with your own transformation and change to become a more loving, compassionate uh, citizen of the, of the human race. Mm-hmm. It has more to do with, uh, I need to belong to my, my group, my personal group. I don't well, want to be rejected by them. And I think both stem, whether you walk away or you double down, both stem from this, uh, I think it's a human desire to want to be right. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't want to be, people don't want to be wrong. Exactly. You know, and, and especially in, I think it's a human thing, but you know, in the context of the United States, for sure. Yeah. This, this Western ideal of like, I gotta, I gotta be right all the time. Yeah, exactly. And, and so then your worldview gets shaped, you know, and I've studied and I've been fascinated by, uh, these concepts, how do we change? How does our worldview mm. get wider and deeper rather than uh, regressive and, and just s- narrow? Sm- yeah, yeah. C- constricting. And, you know, and so, uh, you know, uh, so I've read about spiral dynamics. I've taken courses on that, which is these different levels of consciousness, levels of understanding the world um, from group identity to individualism to, to greater. Uh, self-sacrificial ways of seeing right. uh, more inclusive. Um, Ken Wilber has his integral theory mm-hmm. and there's a color coded kind of system. I think, I think spiral dynamics did too. Claire uh, Danes was his name. I, f- I forgot his, his name off the top of my head. Uh, you see folks, we don't, uh, I, we, we don't put much preparation in this podcast <laughs> and I think it shows. <laughs> We're just shooting from the hips. <laughs> It was Claire, Claire, somebody, I don't remember. Uh, and, you know, so then Ken Wilber and then uh, Thomas Keating has mm-hmm. wrote some of about this. And uh, Richard Rohr has a book out right now on this and he puts it into three stages, uh, which is order, disorder and reorder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, Brian McLaren has a book out right now. So this is obviously a topic that people people, are thinking about. Well, and I think it's timeless too. That's the other thing about these, whether, you know, 200 years ago or 200 years in the future, people are, it's, you know, people are going to have these, whether it's around faith or just personal identity or whatever it might be. There was a a guy named Ken Fowler wrote a book called Stages of Faith, Mm. you know, and he kind of put it more into educational theory of how, you know, the, the human brain develops through childhood okay. and adolescence. A little more academic. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I've, the, his book. The Ken Wilber one and that one and Richard Rohr. Well, I haven't read the most recent Richard Rohr, but. Yeah, I just started the, it. Yeah, those those ideas, um, those are sort of the three that I've heard of and, yeah. and have been somewhat um, familiar with. I, I do like Brian McLaren's latest description because he, he chose four. And what are those? Instead of, say, 11 right. stages and having to remember colors and that kind of thing. <laughs> and my, I, I think uh, Ken Wilber had a magenta color, and I'm course. like, oh, my God. <laughs> come on, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Ken, but yeah, come on. Uh, the, and so, yeah, so in his latest book, uh, Faith After Doubt, uh, and I'm not paid to, to <laughs> advertise for But if book. you want to. It's a great book, though. It's a very good book about these issues. And I've read a lot of, of Brian McLaren's books. Yeah. So what are the four uh, stages that he lays out in that book? Yeah, so he has the first stage called simplicity, okay. which is what I just kind of talked about. It's your earlier years or uh, or if you're an adult convert to any religious religion. Group, uh, right. it, it doesn't. It's, this isn't specific to Christianity either. Like you said, this is a human development thing. Well, and I think it can also like, um, if you start learning about like a high level, um, academic, you know, whether it's math or physics or, or, um, human development, like I think these are pretty universal type things. And we're, we obviously, because this is, 
uh, a podcast in and around Christianity and religion. Yeah, and it's yeah. kind of our, our ex- cup of tea. experience. Yeah. yeah. So simplicity is yes, the first one yeah, we start so off simplic- with. So simplistic faith is God said it, I believe it. Mm. It can be put on a bumper sticker most of the time. Um, it's filled with absolutes. It's it's going back to that either or. Yeah. Like we're talking so about. the Bible is exactly the word of God. So if it says you could literally move a mountain, then you can literally yeah. move a mountain, kind of thing. And uh, King David cried so much in the Psalms that his couch floated. <laughs> So I guess that literally happened. So he's and, floating around. Yeah, he's Pinocchio. Rowing himself. <laughs> Pinocchio inside of the whale with <laughs> drawers and tables floating in there. And and whole, candles. Whole, whole apartment set up. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and so that's kind of simplicity. Uh, and then the second one would be complexity, stage two. Okay. According to McLaren, which is... Uh, which is probably the majority of mega churches today. It's the so instead of the pastor or being a uh, an authority uh, spiritual figure is more of a, a spiritual coach to success. Okay. So success in marriage uh, f- with these five biblical principles. Success raising uh, kids. Yeah. Financial peace uh, with these biblical principles. Right. And that's a huge market. It's a it's a, and that and I. And I don't say that cynically. It's it's the truth. That's a it's a huge market of religious goods and services that people uh, that the majority of people in uh, church life are consuming. Well, and I would say even it's it's a niche of a larger. I mean, the self help. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, industry. and it goes outside of Christianity. Yeah, sure. the self help industry yeah. is a huge thing, and so I, I think people. You know, and, and from a business side, rightfully so, I guess, have found like, oh, people want that self-help with yeah. a Christian um, exactly. veneer on top of yeah. it. Yeah. So we got to get us some of that self-help, huh? Uh, so send us some stuff. So it's, so it's more, so it gives you a little wider range, you know, of oh right, because we're on step two on complexity. Uh, yeah, within so, complexity. So you'll right. find a lot of books, particularly with evangelical. Publications, you'll find a lot of books on, uh, say, uh, the Rapture, five views, mm. uh, the Atonement of Jesus, ten views, you know that kind of thing. And well, and I, I think we've talked about this too, even outside of books, but even just um, like in the evangelical world, when usually there's uh, a pastor will go into a series, right? Yeah, and yeah. they'll cover something That's for five general. weeks or seven weeks, sort exactly. of situation. Yeah. Or they'll give you Bible study tools. So so you'll go to a Bible study and they'll mm. give you some tools how to study it. Okay. So so it's kind of allowing you to think for yourself a bit. Uh, so it, until it, oh yeah. Well, I was just going to say so the jump from step one to step two, or phase one to phase two, however you would like to sort of um, put it, you're going from the beginning. You're being told. Yeah. something and like believe this because I said so whereas it seems like phase two is a little bit more of a coach yeah, aspect exactly and the goal is success in Christianity success okay. in your soul success so so it's very aligned to North American culture really, right uh, of, of being a successful human being yeah, being yeah. a su- su- successful individual yeah exactly and, amongst those around you. And, you know, when you're new to that uh, and if you're coming from a stage one, it's a very 
liberating experience and you could spend 20 years. Well, and I think do the program, you know, some of the, like some people need coaching and they'll, yeah, all of us, (laughs) you know, from time to time, you know, sometimes our lives are are in a situation where it's like, no, you, you need to sit down and learn, learn something and implement it in your life. Exactly. Um, Most people are living unmanageable lives mm -hmm. and, and these, you know, it gives you some structure, mm-hmm. you know, and and a, and a path forward, a map, and other people to do it. But with I, and, you. and I think the danger is because you have success within that structure. Our brain, you know, our simple mammal brain can be like, oh, this is the end all be all. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For me and everyone else. Yeah, and each yeah. and in the charismatic world, for us, it was. Each experience was the end all be all. And so what, so spe- what do you uh, like? I started speaking in tongues. This is what I've been looking oh, for see, my entire life. Okay. From here on out, everything's going to be different. <laughs> I'm a winner. That's funny because it's uh, in the recovery world, it's similar. I mean, not in a good way, but like uh, when people encounter alcohol or drugs for the first time and they get this sense of relief mm. for the first time it's like oh man like yeah. this is what i was looking for exactly it's, yeah, fulfill- it's, it's a freeing yeah. type feeling all i have to do is learn how to worship and sing and lift my hands and make that facial expression like i'm out in pain and that'll that's the end of it that's all you have to do we're good uh and it does feel that way it really does uh, well and probably in the because, I mean, I don't think you, well, maybe you can. I don't know if you can jump from, and we'll get to the rest of the things, but I don't think you can jump from the first phase to the fourth phase. Uh, yeah, I you don't know. know. Like I the, didn't. I the, can't. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't. That wasn't my experience. So so there's something about stepping into this uh, place of finding worship or find, yeah. finding the five steps to financial freedom or, find, yeah. you know, finding... How to be a better uh, partner with your with yeah. your spouse or a whatever? There's something husband. about that. Yeah, something about that. Um, that that's a needed stepping stone, yeah. um, or a useful stepping stone. Who knows if it's needed? Yeah. But it seems to be useful in some contexts, for sure. And until it doesn't work for you anymore, right? And so when you so what what is uh, the third? Um, right. Yeah. So the third, according to McLaren, he calls it right. perplexity. So he's so you move from simplicity to uh, complexity, complexity to perplexity, where just some nagging questions just mm-hmm. don't get answered. And in these communities, if you ask these questions out loud, uh, you will be shunned. You will be shut down with a uh, with a uh, with platitudes. Right. And, empty answers and that kind of thing. You just need to have more faith. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the, the Bible says so, so mm-hmm. there, you know. Well, and I think we did a really good job last week of like really covering uh, in a broad sense uh, how you came to um, start living in the questions. Yeah. So kind of finding finding your way into this place of um, – not necessarily being okay with the questions, but living in the context yeah. of the questions. At least acknowledging them, you know. Mm-hmm. Why Why did my brother get killed at the age of 23? Uh, was it because uh, God was looking down at all the flowers and he picked my brother as one flower and wanted him for himself? Somebody told me that at his funeral. And my great uncle and I wanted to punch her right. in the throat. <laughs> 
Yeah, it seems and, uh, that seems like a uh, tone deaf thing to but say. That, but at that a is, and to the other extreme, a guy at church came up to me and said, I, and he thought that he was being comforting to me. He said, uh, I have a brother in hell as well. Yeah. You know, and so it was, you know, it's just, yeah. it's like, wow, thanks. Uh, and so, yeah, so usually a, a tragedy will hit. You, pay, you prayed, like I mentioned earlier, you prayed for a loved one diligently, earnestly, and, and they were not healed. So then at that point, you have a choice to say, well, death was the final healing, and that's what God wanted mm. uh, for a 21-year-old to not ever reach adulthood and to die a, a violent, painful death uh, or whatever. You right, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we justify it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we move the, the goalpost back, or... We go down the other road of why why did this happen and and so that so then things begin to unravel quite a bit because the scriptures if, if you're going to live your life according to the scriptures so to speak as they claim uh, and the scriptures say if you believe and pray it will be answered and that's just not true for mm. most of us and no one you know and that's a very offensive thing that's probably a very offensive thing that I just said to some people listeners. Others, it's a liberating thing. Yeah. Because that's their experience. Well, and I think it's a more realistic yeah. way to approach uh, spiritual uh, practices and, and spiritual yeah. growth. And if there's anyone listening and, and you went through a tragedy, uh, it's not because you didn't have faith and it's not mm -hmm. because it was somehow God's preordained plan. That's the, those are uh, oppressive uh, controlling, manipulative lies that authority figures are telling you. And I think the opposite is important to say. If if you haven't been through a tragedy, it's not because you, your faith is different yeah, than those yeah. around you or you pray better. Uh, the truth is the tragedy's coming. Yeah. it's it's uh, might, You might not have stepped into it yet, but it's it's yeah. around the corner. Yeah. Know? So stage two, yeah, is, is more about... People enter into that stage two faith, I feel like a loser in life, and Jesus has made me a winner, mm. and now I'm going to go all the way, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go score through. Score the touchdown. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to score the touchdown, uh, and I'm going to run the race like Paul, and I'm going to win. I'm going to be in the winner's circle. I'm going to wear that crown. Uh, well, what happens to those of us who uh, feel lost still? You feel like a loser, as uh, the prophet Beck said in the 90s. <laughs> I'm a loser, baby. So why don't uh, you kill me? <laughs> uh, and... And so for the rest of us, for the rest of us that it didn't work out for, uh, for those of us who were sent, uh, whose parents sent you to uh, gay conversion therapy mm. in the 90s and early 2000s to send you to pray out the gay, uh, and the gay didn't get prayed out. Right. Uh, well, what about them? What about uh, people that, that whose gender is fluid and, and they're trying to figure that out? What about people who uh, have disabilities and... Uh, and so, you know, and it goes to mental illnesses and then on and on and on and on. Uh, well, they don't fit in that stage too, really, unless they created a special class <laughs> on Sunday, a special right. Sunday school class niche, which some do. Some can find people in perplexity inside of a stage two well, and church. I, and I, that does happen. So I don't mean to be. Yeah. And I think, I think a good, uh, person to point out for that sort of thing is like, you know, we've talked about her before, but Natalie Bowles Weber. Right. You know, she kind of found that niche in her, was it a Denver church? It was in Colorado yeah. for sure. Where, um, sort of welcoming anyone and anyone that, 
that is, yeah. is pulled by the Christian story and is also, um, uh, for, you know, I mean, yes. put it lightly looked down on, but yeah. more, more so shunned within the, the typical church, uh, community. Yeah, if you will. exactly. Saints and sinners kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, so stage three are for those that are perplexed. They've, they've run the gamut of stage two, which has burned them out. They've sung so many hallelujahs. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, they've, they're sure they've seen Jesus die of boredom at the Father's right hand at singing another song about how much they love him. Uh, they're, they're burnt out in a yeah. lot of ways. Uh, they're not buying it anymore. They see the consumerism. So then they, they can only see the negative kinds of things. And once you've seen it, once you've seen the man behind the curtain, right. uh, you can't unsee it. And, well, so, and it, I think it, it can, I think sometimes too, some of those people, um, I, I think I went through it as well. You just, uh, you kind of, you see the man behind the curtain, but then you deny it for a little while. Yeah. No, 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 no. That was just something for that day or whatever. Yeah. And, and try to, try to shift back into the, the complexity region of it, but yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not the same. And it's, it's a lonely time for people, you know, and, and McLaren talks about that in the book. And, and he also outlines why stage three churches don't really exist. Mm-hmm. Because if, if you're suspicious of authority figures, then you're not going to. Why would you join a church? Yeah. yeah. And, and if you're suspicious of any kind of statement of uh, faith, then you're going, you know, it's just going to unravel very quickly. And, uh, and so it can be a very lonely time for people, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of, you know, so I'm guessing our, so it got me wondering why, why have we existed out here for, for 20 years? Right. And we started in, in that stage three, really. Uh, well, but to be fair, you didn't start it there in the sense that you had, you had had the stage one and two with your church plant. Oh yeah. Yeah. I meant the Desert Rain community. Right, 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 right. Coming out here to chaparral yeah. into the desert—that was a stage three move, and we were able, to, you know, to somehow sustain that. I think well, I think we just busted into stage four, which is harmony, where you where you were able to just kind of acknowledge those other mm. stages and carry them with you, and they carry you, and and you and you expand outward, you know. Well, before we, so before we go to stage four, let's let's visit that a little bit as far as desert rain being. A stage three community. Yeah, in those early years, yeah, for sure. The, yeah, yeah, yeah the, the idea of of sort of how those two overlie. Yeah. So this idea McLaren has and, and what that looked like here at Desert Rain. Yeah, I, I think I was going through what many millions were going through probably in the late 90s, early 2000s, which was just looking for a deeper sense of community that for lack of a better word, the suburban community church, uh, the suburban consumer church couldn't fill anymore. And, and we were, and you would, you would say your church would fell into that umbrella. Oh yeah. 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 We, we were intentionally trying to be a consumer yeah. church in the sense that we're, we set up on the street corner and we're, we're offering religious goods and services mm. and, and, and we're cooler than the, hopefully the, the next one. guy. Yeah. yeah. I, we, I didn't want to be in that position, but it was obvious we were 
What it, it just it you evolved. Have to be, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and for anyone, if this is your first time listening to Desert Rain Community Radio, we have covered some of these yeah. things in much deeper uh, context. But you know, just just to give a, a broad picture of of where we're going towards. Yeah. Um, so we do cover those those things in a more yeah. less than a surface level. So 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 you're in the this consumer based uh, situation. And it was good for when it called, was good. It right. Was, it was, yeah. And but, you're, you're being called to something deeper. Yes, yes. To a deeper sense of community, a deeper sense of prayer for more. Uh, and, yeah, and it just kind of unraveled, you know, in a lot of ways. So, you know, and Phyllis Tickle, she talks, I think we've talked about her, mm-hmm. uh, her, her bishop, uh, an Anglican bishop, you know, he was talking about the church movements from the last 2,000 years of Christianity. Every 500 years or so goes through a, a rummage sale. Mm-hmm. Well, we personally go through these kinds of rummage right. sales. And so you pull out the things that you thought that served you well in the past, certain beliefs or affirmations and uh, techniques maybe for living, whatever you do. And you pull them out again, and they don't, you throw away the ones that don't work anymore. And then you rediscover ones that, that you had forgotten about. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, in the recovery world, we call it about, what do we call it? Uh, uh, spiritual tools that are laid at our feet, you know? And, and, um, I know for me personally, that rummage cell idea is very apropos because there, you know, there are things that worked for me my first couple of years of sobriety that if I were to do them now, they, they might not work, but yeah. Who, who who's to say 10 years from now exactly i might not revisit those things in a uh, maybe a little bit of a new way but at the foundation it's 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 similar right yeah it might be the same thing but the way you're looking at it is completely different or the way i engage with it yeah. is, is is different you know and, and it should and so, be that way which is yeah. that would be harmony or roar's third stage of reorder mm. you know uh repurposing right re, you know renewing that kind of a thing. And um, and so what did that look like, you know, let's say the first five years out here at Desert Rain, that stage three of perplexity, what, what did that look like? Uh, well, on me personally, it meant a lot of, and, and I was fortunate to have the time to study a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. Where did the church get the doctrine of hell? What, what does Jesus really mean by Gehenna? Mm-hmm. Those kinds of issues that, that were bugging me. Uh, what is the deal with the the uh, Old Testament and the New Testament? Uh, those those five or six verses on homosexuality. Mm-hmm. What are they really saying? So it almost took those an academic spin for me. For you, well, academic and experiential. So then time goes by, and and when time, you know, when your life experience expands into time, mm-hmm. you meet people that are. Uh, who who are very diverse from you, mm-hmm. and you get to hear their perspectives and their stories. So, so a very close friend of ours uh, from the past we had lost touch with in that stage two church world uh-huh. uh, had uh, w- when we came out here they were very skeptical of us, mm. and so we, we just didn't we fell out of communication. So almost 10 years went by, and this, and this friend of ours came back into our lives, but had transitioned into a, a woman. Okay. And, and so that was uh, the first— not- So when you knew them, 
in your previous life that identified as a man. Exactly. Okay. Uh, yeah. Teenager. I, I knew him since he was a teenager. And then, and, yeah, and then came back into our lives as a she. Right. And identifying that way. Well, that took a huge amount of time and energy to ask, you know, pay, to, to, on her part, to be patient mm-hmm. with us and to, for the questions that we asked. And then to study material on that, you know, what is, what is a transgender uh, ex- experience, you know. That well, it, it also speaks a little bit, too, that they were willing to trust you when they came back into your life yeah, 10 she years was, later when, when her life had changed so much. Yeah, she was very, it was very fortunate because she uh, documented through a blog Every day of the transition of uh, almost two years. Something so like she that. actually did a medical transition. Yes. Okay. And and so I, you know, I went through every every day of that journal that she published, uh, and wrote questions and 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 of course we started you know we started reconnected and hanging out as well, and so but she was basically coming out to people from the past, mm. and we were next so to speak on and, her list. Yeah, and. The majority of the people in our community here uh, embraced her, regardless of what we thought mm-hmm. about it or didn't understand. We just decided love is the higher, with a couple of exceptions. Well, but that's people. And, people will struggle with stuff like that, right? So yeah. I think it's it's important to remember that the majority of the people stepped into that place yeah. of love, regardless if they understood or not. And so that was a painful division. Mm. With some members who lived here, and it and it did cause a wedge, and they did leave, mm-hmm. and and it and it didn't become amicable. Mm. Uh, well, for now, yeah, you know, yeah. We never know ten years from now, exactly. When, so when people it, uh, evolve and learn, and so that was so that was so when you decide who you're going to embrace, or the fact that you're not going to reject an embrace of anyone, mm-hmm. uh, that that will. Uh, cause a revolution in your life. Um, and so, yeah, so it, it set me definitely on a, on a journey. And, and then when I started seeing local pastors who I knew uh, taking public stands in front of cameras against homosexuals, calling them, a, them an abomination mm. on the news, I, I, I decided I can't be silent. So I began to attend PFLAG meetings and what is P flag for those that aren't familiar? It's it's for uh, it's a support group for straight allies or family members or friends, parents uh, to to become allies mm-hmm. to their uh, friends or loved ones that are coming out as gay or transgender or, or you know whatever right. and and they meet to and so I went as a pastor announcing myself as a pastor, which I never do. That's Yeah, you go out of your way to not exactly. announce yourself as a pastor. But I did that there <laughs> and went on a, an apology tour, so to speak, apologizing on behalf of the Christian community that not all of us are are that way. You know? Right. And so that, you know, that's definitely a, a drawing a line in the sand, mm-hmm. so to speak. And uh, well, I don't think it's so to speak. It's, well, it is, yeah. yeah. It's, it, you're, you're taking a stand on a specific yeah. side of an issue. And so, you know, when we were hashing these things out in perplexity, uh, the majority of us here in, in the community, the core, the core families, uh, decided there are priorities of questions in your life mm. and as a community. And so maybe 
when we were more in stage two, when we were younger, a high priority question would be who's right and who's wrong. Okay. Who's and and who's in and who's out? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we well just that decided, probably happens at the first both stages. Yeah, yeah. But we decided there are deeper questions. Who is my neighbor? That's a deep question, mm-hmm. and that's a very important question. And it became a high higher priority. Well, especially if if, if you're leaning into this gospel mentality, yeah, what's talked about exactly. in the gospel, then that question, "Who's my neighbor?" Exactly, is is extremely important. And so, so people, you know, would call me the L word, uh, liberal or lost, and that kind of thing. <laughs> and and my response to it is, uh, I didn't become liberal, so to speak, on these issues because, in spite of the gospel, I became liberal, so to speak, because of the gospel, the gospel itself, and the way that Jesus mm-hmm. treats people. The gospel, the four gospels, go out of their way to show the inclusiveness of Christ. And and so that was a major shift for me in studying the Bible because every corner you see, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Well, I think too, uh, Christ also goes in the gospel specifically, goes out of his way to point at um, the, uh, oh, what's, what's the right word? The abuse of power. Yeah, of those uh, of spiritual leaders and and those in the gatekeepers in, in, in high ranking um, establishments yeah. within society. Yeah, Mary's Magnificat has a lot to say about these people. Yeah. So, and really, you know, uh, any anybody that is a Christian listening, Christians, we need to understand when we read the the, the four Gospels, when they talk about the Pharisees, that's us. If, right. If yeah, you've yeah. grown up in the yeah, church, yeah. we it's, are it's the established. Yeah, it's the established Christian yeah, church. Yeah, it's us. Yeah. And so we need to to engage it that way. And 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 so that was the transformation that we went through in perpetuity. As a community. Pretty much, yeah. Right. I mean, like I said, others stepped away and it was we went to a bridge too far for them. Uh which I mean that's, and that's a, the way it goes. And that's okay if that's where they're at in their life. Yeah, it's you it's know? a painful loss of friendships, yeah. but the reality is light in life friendships come and go and come back around again and some never come back around and it's the way it goes yeah and i think it's important um at least from my perspective and you can correct me if you you feel otherwise um but it's important when we're on this spiritual evolution whatever phase we're in we also have to give our loved ones our neighbors if you will uh the Ability to be within whatever phase that they are in. Yeah. You know, and, and not because it's easy for me to come try to come from a righteous place of like, oh, well, you should believe X, Y, and Z. And yeah. it's like, well, there was a time I didn't believe X, Y, and Z. Right. Yeah. And so what, why should I be pushing? You know, and that's uh, we've talked about it on other other uh, conversations where just to be an example of love, yeah. of being a neighbor, you know, being being inclusive, showing it's, hospitality. It's really gotten to the point now for me in my 50s, all I really have to ask is, who are the conservative Christians rejecting? Mm. Go find those people and make them your friends, because well, uh, that's who Jesus is reaching. I, I mean, I think you could even look at just who is society rejecting. Yeah. Right? Like, exactly. Uh, you know, I, you and I have have uh, talked about this, but, but those, uh, you know, the people that are seeking asylum, 
Yeah. As we speak, and they're locked up. People in prison. You know, they're locked up. Uh, yeah, people that are have been locked up for several years on nonviolent exactly. charges. You know, and and um, how do we how do we connect with those people? Yeah, and it's a reciprocal relationship. So I don't mean to communicate. We need to go out and reach them for Jesus. That's oh, not no, what I'm no, saying. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Jesus is already there. Yeah. In the rejected person. And so hear their story, listen to their story. And then you as whatever you mean to them is Christ accepting them well, or I think whatever for, they need, you know, in that sense. Yeah. And on that same vein, for me personally, I have been transformed way more by the people I've encountered in that, in the way we're talking yeah. about right now than I'm, there's no doubt that. I've been transformed more by them than I have yeah, exactly. transformed them, right? Like, yeah. So it's a change in, in attitude. Yeah. I'm not saving anybody. No. You know, I've, I've been saved by those people that are exactly. locked up and, and their freedoms and rights have been taken away. Exactly. And that's a major shift that happened to us from our stage two mm. into stage three and then four. Uh, and so, sure. let, yeah, so let's let's uh, lean into that a little bit. What what is stage four in this uh, uh, stage process? four? Is, you're you're not so much focused on the perplexity anymore. Uh, you're not giving so much. A lot of your, you know, when you're angry or hurt at, at church people or whatever, a lot of energy can can go into that and. Uh, in your suspicions, in your doubt, in your skepticism. Mm. And so uh, and so in stage four, you're kind of not, you don't have a pony in the, in the show anymore. You're, okay. not, you're not trying to prove anything anymore. Um, you know, you're, you're uh, what is that German word for taking delight in the downfall of others? Schwadenfreude. I don't know. Schadenfreude, I think it is. You, you, know, you know, when you see... Uh, uh, the mega church pastor get <laughs> caught up in a scandal. You're not as uh, you're not like smug yes. anymore. Right. You, you might have a little smugness still. You know, you, I, I still have to deal with wow. that. Wow, it, it uh, and wait, but but, it, but it's not a big deal anymore. Yeah, know? and what is what is the label that McCarran gives? McLaren. Uh, McLaren. What what's the label he gives stage four? Oh, harmony, harmony. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you're able to harmonize those the stages and states that you've been in. Mm. You know, everyone has experienced a state of harmony, uh, you know, in the sense of you're out on the beach, you see all the billions of stars, or you're in the forest, you hear the wind blow through those trees, or you were with your friends and it was a perfect, or your family, there was one perfect night with them. Yeah, I think I think uh, uh, the secular world has uh, called it flow state. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, like when an athlete is just... Yeah. In in that perfect harmony with, with everything around it. Exactly. An artist. Peak experience. Yeah, yep, that's another, yep. And so, so harmony, but a state of harmony, I mean, a stage of harmony doesn't mean you're in that, you're zoned out. Constantly. Constantly, right. no, no. But you're able to, to recognize those moments in very ordinary things much more often. So your spirituality becomes uh, this worldly more in the sense of, God is very present mm. in this world and is more concerned about the here and now, here and now than, than this separate God in a separate heaven uh, tolerating a, a concentration camp and a holocaust on earth. Uh, but as long as he's being sung to, he's okay. Mm. So that's, a, that's not a good 
that's not a good image of God to have. So, so in harmony, you're, you're able to at least uh, embrace the, the diversity of life and the, those kinds of things. So, Well, and, I, and yeah, and I, I think uh, sort of going back as, as we've, we've been kind of the second half of this conversation, uh, overlaying the, this idea of the gospel, the, the ideas within the gospels, um, maybe so this harmony state is almost like taking these ideas or concepts within the gospel and implement as best you can implementing them in your your day-to-day life yeah in a very simple way mm-hmm. rather than waiting for this big thing you know this 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 i think henry Nowen said it really well he said aren't you like me waiting for that one phone call, that letter that will change your life forever. Mm, winning uh, the lottery. Yeah. Whatever. You're not doing that anymore in, in stage four harmony. And, and, and you're bored talking about this kind of stuff in stage four. You're, you're not, you know, it's just not... The, the things that were such a big deal, uh, hills that you were dying on are no longer really worth dying on anymore. Well, I think um, this reminds me of a conversation I had with a couple friends this week. But some, it seems as though sometimes, as as, and it was I was talking to two other gentlemen. But as a a, a man that's grown up in the United States, you're told you you got to earn your living, you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you got to protect those around you, right? Like it's this very. Uh, uh, machismo is not the right word, but just this hyper aggressive get yeah. things done. Western individual, yeah, yeah. hyper individualistic. And then, and then, and just in the context of the gentleman I were talking to, we're all like, we all believe in this Christ story. So yeah. then you're introduced to this this idea of the gospel, where grace is the story of the gospel. Yeah, and that's an unearned gift. Yeah. So there's literally nothing we could do, and and kind of how I was able to articulate it. Like if I, cause there's, there's that part of me that wants to be a hero. Right. And so if I was able to end world hunger tomorrow, then sort of my logical brain's like, well, God will love me more because yeah. I ended world hunger. But the truth is whether I, I'm the person ending world hunger, or I'm just a person, you know, living my day-to-day life exactly. in a very, you know, even if it's an individualistic way, because of grace, God loves me the same. I yeah. can't, I can't, I, yeah, I don't, I'm not articulating as well as I, I did the other night, but it, it just, this paradox of growing up in Western society as a man yeah. with certain expectations, and then you're told on the spiritual side that like, no, there's nothing you can do to God. Yeah. Or he loves you perfectly the way you are. Exactly. And then you start, yeah, and once that grace begins to really take hold of you, you, you really are in a harmony kind of way of seeing things. So you can see someone like, say, Jonas Salk, a uh, secular Jew scientist, mm. um, d- was simply doing the work that was in front of him. which w- and And the work that was in front of him was to come up with a polio vaccination. Mm. He didn't have support in his community. He tried it on his kids first and on himself. Yeah, on himself. And, uh, and how many lives has he saved? Mm-hmm. That one man. 
and uh, just simply doing the work that was before him mm. and did not uh, have a copyright or a patent on the vaccine. That's, that's, the, that's the holy in ordinary life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can celebrate that. And that's a massive movement of grace in the world uh, outside of even the, the so-called Christian bubble. Well, and I think, too, extending that, or at least for me, as, as this idea of grace sort of seeps into my bones slowly but surely, you know, acknowledging that same, uh, the holiness in his day-to-day work yeah. with someone that, that you, you and I would never hear of. You know, oh, yeah, there's millions. Their, and their, you know, and their, yeah. and their day-to-day work has to do with with nothing nope. that will cure polio or or, yeah. or or the equivalent, right? The today equivalent. Yeah. And, and and having loving that person just in as much in their non um publicized achievements. Exactly. Yeah. There are millions of those. Billions of those. You know, yeah, millions of If Mother you think Teresa about like everyone over time. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the billions. Yeah, they're just running a bodega on the street and that one act of kindness every day that multiplies that, that very few out. yeah even the recipients of that kindness may easily forget it and they're just doing their thing mm-hmm. and that's that's an amazing thing and so in what ways uh do you recognize or have you recognized where uh desert rain has uh sort of shifted into uh that idea of harmony yeah, well, like I said, it was first embracing that friend mm. from old, and uh, you know, and and it couldn't help but become a a stand in our larger community, you know, so to speak. We weren't trying to make a stand; we were trying to love our friend. Yeah, you're just giving, you're embracing your your friend from from back in the day, so yeah, to speak. exactly, and and we'll do it again, mm-hmm. and uh, and so so is that. Uh, I probably I I think. Yeah, that's yeah. It's kind of weird. You, you you grab onto a string of something like that, mm-hmm. and you start following the string, and that's kind of what. So the so that led me to P flag going right. there, and I didn't go a lot. I, I went for maybe two years, one, uh, once a month kind of uh-huh. thing right. in El Paso, but then I met people there. Mm-hmm. They're very different from very different backgrounds from me, and then from there I got invited to an, the interfaith group. Yep. In El Paso. Which which you've been involved in since I've known you. Yeah, I yeah. just, you know, I'm not a uh, a charter member or, or one of the esteemed folks in it, <laughs> but I show up, you yeah, know, I, I go and I go to the stuff and uh, tell a joke here and there for them. And so, so that, so that, yeah, so you start meeting people that you would never would have met. And, and we found that out even with the community. It was, it was a paradox that we that we discovered early on, which was the accusation against us was uh, you're, you're cloistering off to be go to go become a monastic Christian community. So you're going to shut yourself off from engagement with the world. Mm. And on the surface, that sounds like a legitimate accusation, you know, legitimate critique. Well, uh, and, to, and to be fair to those critiques, there are monastic communities in the world yeah. that intentionally. Yeah, wall themselves yeah. off from the world. So, you know, it's... Yeah, you know, and these were homeschooling evangelicals telling us this. So, right. <laughs> you know, anyway. Um, but then we found out that the opposite became mm. actually true. What happened was 
it seemed that it cut us off, so to speak, from uh, acceptance with the evangelicals and our, right. our greater you're, community. Your known community yeah. up to that point. But it but it opened the door to all of a sudden people that we never that never would have walked into a church all of a sudden want to talk to us. You know, there's a guy at work who never talked to me, and he found out we were starting a community. And he was a uh, he was a card carrying communist. I've never met a card carrying. Com- he had the card. <laughs> right. He showed me his card, <laughs> and uh, and he was very interested in communal living. That was a very mm. and so we talked that my whole last year at that school. You know, uh, so people that so all kinds of different people started showing up out here from very different walks of life than what we're uh, that we were used to in our you know in our world. And so um, maybe not from the community standpoint, but maybe, but specifically from your standpoint, I know we've talked about some of the heartbreak of being shunned from yeah. the old, you know, your old world, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. But so how did that, how did the healing of meeting these other people, how did that impact your healing of having these oh. people that you would maybe never engage with in a hundred years yeah, I guess I guess there's just a greater connection uh, that's there, um, and a, and a kind of a gratefulness, a, a, a thanksgiving that I, I wouldn't have had to have a wider view of of life and the world, and and an expanded view of God that's ever expanding. You know, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. I wouldn't trade that in. Uh, and then looking at history, look, I. I I think I'm a person that looks at the world through history and, and I I don't know how to say it any other, I I don't mean to be offensive, but they're on the wrong side of history on so many things and Protestants and, and, and Christians in general have been on the wrong side of progressive things in history. Mm. Started with the printing press. They were, they were against people reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christians were. Uh, uh, the advancement of science, they, you know, they fought that. Uh, they, they fought... Uh, Civil War was kind of both, so... You know, yeah, everyone, Christians every, everyone was on the wrong side yeah. of history with that. And civil rights as well, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, and Galileo was a believer. Uh, but so so it's always been i guess it's the stages i guess is what i'm trying yeah. to say fighting each other you know uh because they threw galileo in prison the right. church did yeah, yeah, yeah. and now I, I believe the vatican at least maybe not now but at one point they had one of the largest uh, observatories of the stars mm. in the world <laughs> so that wouldn't it's be kind of funny if how things still right flip around and uh i think phyllis tickle in her book talked about the the protestant pastor was very threatened by the emergence of AA mm. and the recovery movement, and now most Protestant churches' basements are the meeting place of well, just any church. I mean, it doesn't even—it's not even limited. You know, yeah. any any church or denomination. Uh, well, even going back to the card-carrying communists, I went to a—it was a communist meeting hall in Paris, France. And I went to a freaking AA meeting yeah. at it and had a meditation inside this, this, in the, you know, on, there was poster, you know, yeah. pro communist. It was, <laughs> it was, it was such a weird, uh, 
not not weird, but uh, unique setting. Yeah. And there was still the recovery world was still present in it, you know? Yeah, because Pinko commies need sobriety <laughs> as well as pig capitalists, yeah. right? I mean we all need it, man. <laughs> yeah, we're all and so yeah, so just look so if so the tolerance of white supremacy in American Christianity is they're not willing to address it, it seems, mm. at least at a fast enough. They're on the wrong side of history. So I'm glad to not be associated mm-hmm. with that in that in that sense. Um, the nationalism, the rise of, of nationalism mixed with their Christianity is is not a good is not a good thing. Right. It's very 1930s Germany with the Lutheran Church and, and the Nazi Party. And so it's just not it's these are bad places to be historically, you know, yeah. and they're there for sure. And so, so in that sense, in a historical sense, I'm glad to not right. be a part of that. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, um, and I think that goes back to like sitting with these, uh, these hard questions, these tough questions is like, okay, um, to really open your mind up to them in a way that you, you know, you can find these things like you you just mentioned, you know, uh, speaking speaking down and against white supremacy. It's like you know that's no. that's that should be an be easy a, one to be to that be a white be supremacist. Well, yeah, but it, I mean it, it's <laughs> it's, it's it's you know with with as much of um, race relations being a, a hot topic point yeah. right now, more so than it has been probably in the last 20 or 30 years. Um, when people get into a place of fear, our, our uh, logical mind yeah, kind of short, exactly. short, you know, shorts, um, shorts out, you know, and, and so, yeah. um, but still trying to embrace those people as far as like, having conversations with them, right? Yeah. You know, it, it seems today having yelling matches on, on the internet are the new, yeah. like, quote-unquote conversation. And yeah, it's like, and well, it that's, work. That's not going to work. It's like sitting down with those. Because um, unfortunately, going back to the to the uh, that idea of the neighbor, they're still our neighbors. Yeah, what do you, you do know, if your neighbor's flying there, a Confederate flag? Yeah, like, you know, how do you, how do you approach them and... and you know, have a cup of coffee with them and, yeah. and, and, um, meet them where they're at while still being able to stay strong within your principles. Yeah. You it's, know, you gotta be in that stage think, four harmony. To yeah. And, and I I'm think I'm not there for that. And, and I think that's the dangerous part of this idea of canceling people is no, they're going to come back. <laughs> well, yeah, when you if you push too many people out to the fringes yeah, like and a, make them pariahs, they're going to come back with torches. Yeah, and, and that's, burn your village that's, down. You know, that's a that's more dangerous than yeah. bringing them in and and having um not supporting these ideas, right? Yeah. Like, there's a difference between finding out where someone's at and green lighting a bad idea, yeah. um, because people are people. You yeah, know, we're all we're all trying to progress in a uh, to better our our circumstances. Yeah, you know, and as soon as you pariah someone, no, ra- radicalized people, regardless of what the ideology is, mm-hmm. uh, people willing to do violence or to you know, and to be honest with you, people that are willing to die for their cause are probably willing to kill for their cause. Yeah, as oh, well. uh, absolutely. So there's, I would, I would 
guess there's probably with each of these individuals a point of uh, traumatic experience mm. that brought them to this openness to being radicalized. And so there needs to be a healing of a trauma of some sort. Well, and I also have um, doing, I can't remember, I uh, did some reading about it, but I also listened to a podcast. And um, But they were talking about the rise, specifically, I think it was within Chicago. It was a Midwestern city 30, 40, 50 years ago where um, a bunch of young skinheads and this uh, idea of white supremacy had had gained traction. And one of the things they said, uh, one of the recruitment tools where they were looking for lonely teenage boys. Oh, wow. So there wasn't even necessarily a trauma yeah. per se, but there was a lack of That's community, a, yeah. a lack of supportive community. Boredom. Spiritual boredom. <clears throat> and so how do we connect with someone on that level of reaching out to someone that's Mm, that's lonely or bored. um, And, and support them in a way before they are radicalized. Right. Because once you become radicalized, even if there wasn't a a predetermined trauma, once you become radicalized, you're engaging in traumatic events, whether it's for yourself or those around you. So, so yes, the trauma has to be healed at that point, but right, right. How, how do we embrace our brothers and sisters prior to yeah. that place of, of radicalization? And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I, I think suicide's another good example of that. Yeah. Once someone's suicidal, you can't, that's not a logical point anymore. Right. But you know, how do we back it up? A year, two years, three years prior, where we engage those that feel left out and and uh, yeah. feel lonely and and um, and self harm becomes part of their yeah. their mentality because that's that's a dark place for sure, you yeah. know, as well. And and so these tough questions of of embracing those around us, yeah, um, even if they're different than than us. No, we have to be those who would carry a. A healthy belonging, not a toxic belonging. Mm. That kind of thing. Um, and so right before we wrap up, I do I do want to go back to one of the things we talked about with your your friend um, who transitioned to, to being a woman. Oh. And I, I do want to just to allow the listeners to uh, know we do understand that um, within the trans world, you don't have to tra- medically transition to be recognized as the sex you are, that the sex you identify right. with, you know, and so I just wanted to make that clear because we, since we did talk specifically about a medical transition, that yeah. uh, that that's for a lot, that's a place of privilege to be able to go through that. Well, and, it was a long process too. Yeah, right, for right, this, right, right, for this yeah. individual, it wasn't just some overnight. Yeah, and so to you know, if if you know, if if a medical transition is not something that's in your your uh, your toolkit or toolbox, so to speak. You know, we still understand that yeah. there's many out there that that still identify. Well, and that was my biggest issue at the time with it was that this seems like a privilege thing to be In able to, to be able to afford to do oh, that. Oh, I see. The so, what happens to medical. people that the majority of people who can't afford to medically mm-hmm. do these things? How yeah. how can there be space there? You know, and so a lot of a lot of complicated questions yeah, for sure. Exactly. So. Uh, but I did want to clarify that before we wrapped up for the day. And uh, so next week we're going to continue um, sort of this series around uh, simplicity, uh, complexity, uh, 
perplexity and harmony. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the vocabulary we also have used is, is construction, deconstruction and reconstruction. That was yeah. that was kind of the, the points we looked at uh, last week. Um, so we're going to continue this series um, around worship, around evangelism, around um, some of these other uh, topics within the Christian world and, and uh, what that what that looks like in different different areas. Yeah. Okay. So uh, thank you, David. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Mason. Uh, if you want to, to read uh, some more of, of things David Morrison has put out into the world, uh, or if you want to learn more about Desert Rain as a community, check out theruin.com. Uh, if this is your first um, episode into Desert Rain Community Radio, uh, you can. We have other uh, episodes at DRCR Pod or wherever you found this. And um, if you're enjoying what you hear, please please tell a friend, whether it's uh, your next door neighbor or someone in uh, your social media world. Uh, we we appreciate uh, the word of mouth. Seems to be really important for for little guys like us to 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 have a voice in in the greater landscape of podcasts so of the internets the internets baby and um and lastly those drums in the background those are monk drums thank you mr jacob nedia for for that that gift for us and uh, we appreciate y'all thank you thank you <laughs>